Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Chris Mitchell, and this is the Real Estate For You podcast brought to you by SellingNTX.com. On today's show, I want to talk about the importance of having home inspections during the option period. I've invited the owner and operator of CKA Home Inspections, Chris Amador. Chris, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Good. So first things first, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get started in, in the in the business? Sure. All right. So I came out of a couple of different backgrounds. I had some sales experience, direct sales right before I got into home inspection. Before that, I was running a, a veterinary hospital. Okay. So I got people skills there. So I thought, you know what, let's, let's capitalize on the people skills and the sales and see what we can do with me and my wife opening up a business. And that's kind of how we... Got the ball rolling. Nice. Yeah. How did you settle on home inspections as a business that you wanted to open? You know, I'm, I'm not the handiest person as far as building things and right. making things. So a lot of the things like food I wasn't interested in, yeah. uh, redoing garages, um, janitorial, those things mm -hmm. are great professions. It's just not something that I was willing to, to do. Right. And we started looking at uh, home inspection and I noticed that, uh, you know, to get in was a certain amount and everything, but really what it was about was networking and creating your own leads mm -hmm. and getting your own business started. And, yeah. and I felt very comfortable running a hospital and doing the direct sales right before I opened up my home inspection. That would be something that I would be able to do. Good. Awesome. Well, I, I think, I mean, just from personal experience from working for you, I think you chose the, the right profession. So, well, I appreciate so yeah, that. That, that, <laughs> awesome. Definitely. Definitely. What is a home inspection? You know, we have we work with a lot of buyers uh, and, and sellers, of course, but on the buying side, you know, anytime we contract with a buyer, we refer them to a home inspector. So what what is exactly a, a home inspection? Sure. You know, I'll, I'll nutshell it for you because everybody always asks me that. And really, it is a function and system inspection. That's what it is. So break that down under the function part of it. So you're checking, checking for functions of uh, foundation, roof, attic, any kind of structure. Then you go on to the systems check and you're mm -hmm. looking electrical, plumbing, HVAC, the appliances to make sure that they're all working correctly. Okay. Why are home inspections necessary? And, and the reason I bring this question up is I have a lot of buyers who, you know, bought and sold homes in the past and they say they can come into a property and look at it and say, oh, it's a great property. Why home inspection? What's the reason for the, the home inspection on, on the buyer's side? Yeah. And again, I get that question a lot. I also get that on the seller's side as well. And, and what I always liken it to... I don't think there's anybody out there that would just go find a car new or used and just buy it without driving it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're driving because you're inspecting the house. Right. Right. And you've driven for a long time. So you kind of have an idea of what the car should feel and sound like. People don't have that same experience in home inspections. They've lived in a house, but they've never really been inside of it and upside down and all around it to really see how it functions. Is it functioning correctly? Are all the parts working correctly? Right. How long does it look like these things are going to be functioning correctly? And should we make any adjustments now before it starts to fail in the future? Okay. That, and so it's basically, I go in there and look for things you would never even think to look for as, a, as just a buyer coming in to buy a property. Can you talk a little bit about the different types of, of inspections? So, you know, you've got the home inspection. I know there's there's what pool set, you know, all those. Oh, okay. all those yeah. Guys. So we have, you know, really the, the, the bread and butter of most inspection companies are going to be residential and commercial. Okay. And anybody that uh, has been, been a home inspector for a while or, or really wants to make it their career and it's not just something that they're doing, mm -hmm. um, they'll go ahead and go on and get several other licenses like pool and spa. You got termite license. You have septic and well license. And so all those things are going to be something that a home inspector to 
do the con- continuing education on top of the 32 hours continuing education that we have to have. Yeah. I mean, as any profession that you're in and if you're into it, then you're going to try to continue to grow. And those are the different inspections that most inspectors that should have if they're really vested in, in being a top home. Okay. Uh, inspector for. so it sounds like for each type of inspection there's maybe a certificate or a license that you that you need right and and all of them have qualifications to keep besides just you know you know give me my money give us our money and then you get your license you still have continuing education inside of a lot of those as well okay what type of certificates or or licenses do you hold i hold i hold a okay so for a home inspector if they're actually a home inspector they have to have a national and a Texas license that says that they're able to actually do home inspection. If they don't have that license and it's not a true home inspection and actually there's a pro- there's a prosecution part of that if you're doing it without a license. Roofers yeah. Foundations, those guys aren't regulated. Mm-hmm. Home inspectors, realtors, we're all licensed by track and so everybody's under that same umbrella. Do you run across a lot of uh, quote unquote home inspectors who aren't licensed who are actually inspecting? I, you know, I, I haven't ran across that. You know, yeah. that was brought up in, in in class. You know, when we were there, I just I, I haven't ran across it personally. Good. Um, it, when, that's good. You know, you want to keep the name, you know, home inspecting on the top shelf and not have some you know, things go wrong to yeah. close it down. But you know, me personally, I have I'm not certified, so that's the National Association of Wastewater Technicians. So that's mm-hmm. septic and well. Okay. And I'm termite licensed as well, and I have two pool and spa certificates. Like I said, if you're into it, you're going to get as many as you can. So I. I went through a hit and rets to get my points. So you're essentially kind of a, a one-stop shop. They can call you and if they have a septic, a pool, everything, you can take care of all of it. Right. You know, and it's a convenience factor for, yeah. the, for the customer, the realtor and everybody involved in the transaction, you know, and you know, a lot of us do the same day uh, reports, you know, I get mine out the same day and, and, it, and because I've seen a lot of things in the past couple of years that, that seem to think that uh, the home inspector, thinks that he's the part of the cog that's the important part, which it's a very important part of the, the whole deal, but it's a, just the process that needs to be through. You know, right. So you, you call us, we come out the next day, the following day, and then we get your report back to you. So that's kind of the... That's kind of the direction that we've tried to go to since we first started. It's a convenience factor yeah. for you guys. You know, all of us take our job serious, and every inspector I've ran across, we all have our stories that we tell, but everybody seems to be, especially the network that I'm in with the inspectors that I talk to, we're mm-hmm. all well uh, vested into to making sure we deliver the right product to the What kind of a lead time do you need? So say, for instance, we go under contract today and there's, say, a five or seven day option period how quickly can you get out to a property i'm pretty sure you probably get booked yeah you know we uh we we 24 to 48 hours is tops okay you know i I have a couple guys that help us out you know so it's it's not a you know i have a realtors even telling me three days they're they're starting to do three days so they could get the house you know and and knowing that we would be out there in the next day or two and have the report that night so it's it's a convenience factor again i tell you what it's really important especially in those competitive offer situations um to be able to use that option period to know that your inspectors can can make it out there 
during that option time. So that way, from the seller's perspective, we're not dragging that option period out. Sure, sure. And, and, that, and again, you know, that's part of the process of just being available, certified, responsive, communication, mm-hmm. and deliver the product all within about a 28 hours, sometimes 48 hour if, if it's real busy. But other than that, you know, it's within 72 hours is that's too long for a CK home inspections. And I noticed on your website, I've visited, I mean, quite a few times since I have, I've had customers use you to inspect their, their homes. I, I like what you've done to your website as far as making it uh, easy to, to schedule and to pay for the inspection. So kudos on, on that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That was a that was a work in progress. Let me tell you, those websites don't go up easy. Man. They <laughs> just don't. No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about, um, let's just keep it with the general home in- inspection. Sure. So you, you mentioned earlier that it covers the, the systems. What systems does a typical home inspection cover? And what do you look for when you go out there and, and inspect a property? Sure, sure. All right. So basically, when I first step out of the vehicle, I just I get a broad overview of the house, take a look at it, and we do a foundation and a grading and typically get on the roof and, and finish that all at one time. So we have a really good idea of what the outside of the house looks like. Right. So if we can see if there might be some problems that might go inside. Okay. And so we note those on there. And so when we go back inside, we think about the things that we found on the outside, maybe on the roof. We check the attic on the interior, mm-hmm. the interior walls where the issues might or might not have been and go from there. So that's a quick outside view. Of course, we go outside two or three more times, but right. that's how you start it. Then we go inside and we'll go ahead and usually check the major appliances right in the kitchen. Start in there. And then we'll go around and do the plumbing just to make sure all the plumbing's good. Mm-hmm. Then we start on the electrical panel. Then we go to the HVAC. And then we do the rest of the, the interior of the house. Okay. And if there's any oddball systems like septic or a pool, or those are typically done last. Because okay. anything water-related, I usually do last just so I don't get any water tracked into the house. So sprinkler systems and all those things right, are typically right. going to be the last thing we're in. Okay. The number of inspections you've been out on, I'm sure you've seen some things that uh, make you kind of scratch your head. Tell me about maybe the weirdest thing that you've seen. And, and I've... I follow you on Facebook, so I, I, I see the pictures you post of some of them. But uh, tell me one that, that you think that's, that's maybe the weirdest situation that you've run into. I'll tell you a good one. So I was out at, uh, pretty far out in the country past Joshua. So we, we're getting out there where there's not a lot of rules and regulations out there. And I noticed that the uh, the kitchen, compared to the rest of the house, the, the, the plumbing was working fantastic. Mm-hmm. The other one, the, the sinks and the bathroom, and they were just a little bit slow to drain. Right. So I went to the kitchen thinking it was going to be a problem and it just, it drained right out. So I look underneath the cabinet and I noticed that the, the P trap went down and then it went straight through the wall. Mm-hmm. So I went and turned the water on and went outside and looked at the other side of the wall and the water was just running straight out of the out of the wall right into the ground. So that was your dream. So that was like old old school plumbing. Old huh? school plumbing, man. There was, there was nothing on the other, not a bucket. It was yeah. just, Right out there in the open. They so were just recycling their water, they right? Were recycling the water. <laughs> I was. I, I got a kick out of that one. Yeah, I bet. So how did how did that look on the report? Did you? <laughs> I, I actually called for a plumber on that one. Did you? <laughs> sure. Just to make sure what you were seeing was what right, you were seeing. Right. Make sure I, I, get I didn't it. miss a, miss some kind of code variation that I didn't know about or something. You know. <laughs> awesome. So when you go out and do an in- inspection, do the buyers attend those inspections with you? You know, there's uh, there's two schools of thought on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a I like to teach, right? So I don't mind if people are there. Right. You know, when, when you first start out, new inspectors, if you're if you're watching this, try to try to 
get by yourself as much as possible throughout the first 25. I relate it to texting and driving when you first start. You know, right. Somebody's talking to you. It's hard to text. Yeah. So when you're doing your inspection, it's hard to, to, to do it when you first start. But as you go along, you want them there so you can be so you can tell them what you're seeing and they understand what they're seeing. And mm-hmm. when they get the report, there's no calls yeah. because they've been there the whole time. And I really encourage new buyers to be at the inspection. Okay. First time buyers. I know they ask a lot of questions, but that's what an inspector is there for. See, it's not just here's my inspection and here's the report. It's about communicating what you're finding in that report and making it easy enough where everybody down the line understands exactly what you're saying, what you're looking at, what the diagnosis is and how to fix it. Right. And that, that's if you can accomplish that within a less than 25 pages, then I think that you're you're doing a, a good job as far as detailing what needs to be done. Okay. I, I think that's going to be the best way to, to do it is have people there. I know a lot of people don't like that and I understand that, and, but at, at bare minimal, if they can come to the last 30 minutes of inspection, then yeah. everybody's going to be on the same page and there's no surprises, you mm-hmm. know, and, and typically I'll do a follow up with the realtor that, that was, that hired us or that at least on the buying side. Right. So they kind of understand what's going on too. Okay. I bet you get a lot of, especially first time home buyers who then when they see a report and it's not a clean report, there maybe there's some questions there and there's some hesitation on whether they should move forward or, or not. That You know, that you've hit that on the, the head right there. And, and that's the, that's why I encourage them to come out now mm-hmm. is because, first of all, you know, when you're talking to somebody that's never done anything, it's hard to explain what's wrong with it, you know, and, and, and put that in perspective. Anytime somebody goes and buys a, a pre-owned house, they don't see everything on the walls, all the scratches all, until right. about two, three, four months. And they start pointing at things. And, yeah. Oh, I didn't notice the imperfections. that. The imperfections, uh-huh. the cosmetic stuff. And when you're, that's the easy stuff. So if I'm trying to break down an HVA system or something wrong with the electric panel and they're not there and they have no frame of knowledge of what I'm talking about. Right. It, it, can you imagine trying to understand something may make like a, that? a problem seem bigger than what it maybe actually yeah, is. They have, no, they have no frame of reference yeah. to to categorize, oh, that's a major problem or that that's really nothing. But if they're standing right beside me, I can explain it all the way down to this is where we are. This is what I'm seeing. And this is where we're going to be at if correction isn't made. Make it easy for them. So, yes, I don't mind them being there. So in all the inspections that you've done, have you ever run across a house, including new builds, where the inspection was absolutely clean? There was nothing you can find on a on a property. Uh, unfortunately, I, don't, I haven't found it. Wait a minute, Chris. Even on new builds? No, no, not on new builds either. I tell you, I did one for a lady in y'all's office, actually. And it was uh, right by TCU. Beautiful uh-huh. house, you know, 750 plus and. I got up on the roof anyway. It was a new build, and they had actually forgot to put the cover for the uh, bathroom vents. Uh-huh. It was just a big hole in the roof, and the oh, whole nice. line was full of water in the attic hanging down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, but that's not a call that you uh, – You know, that, was, you know my, that call was to the realtor. And that needs to be fixed right now because the only thing hanging on that the, 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 the bathroom vent to the ceiling was the mastic. Wow. So once that let go, that was going to go all over the ceiling and, yeah. you know, brand new build. So, yeah, I, I've never found a new. I've found a couple that are pretty close, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like anything else. Exposed you know, nail heads, and, things, you know, just small things. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's not a machine building. It's, it's, it's people, you know. Right. So there's always going to be a variance of what somebody thinks is acceptable and, and what I might think is acceptable. Yeah. So. 
So let's talk a little bit about the hot items, especially you mentioned around TCU. There's not a lot of, well, I take it back. There is some new builds around TCU, but for the most part, uh, a lot of those houses are, are older in and around TCU, around the Fort Worth area. So let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the hot items. One thing that I, buyers in, of, of all uh, experiences, one thing that, that they usually catch a hold of is, say, aluminum wiring. Is aluminum wiring bad? And, and if, it, if it is bad or if it isn't bad, what, what exactly does that mean? And what makes it bad versus what makes it okay? Sure, sure. All right. So basically, they still use aluminum wire coming into the main top of the box or bottom box, depending on how you're getting your service line ran. Mm -hmm. So that's still acceptable. They only used branch aluminum, and that's running to your outlets and switches and light bulbs during the Vietnam War. That's the only time they did that because they were using the copper for bullets. Oh, okay. So they ran out of copper. and they, so they History lesson, I like they it. They started using aluminum, right. So the problem with aluminum is doesn't conduct electricity as well as copper. Okay. So it gets hotter. Well, heat makes things expand, mm -hmm. right? So if, you, if you're a homeowner... And you have aluminum running through your house and you decide to switch out your one of your wall outlets and you don't quite get that aluminum wire in sealed correctly, it's going to expand and shrink and expand and shrink as, it, as current's being used there. And it can cause a little spark once there's enough gap in it. Spark mm -hmm. in a wall is the problem. Right. Okay. Problem is when the end user goes and buys the actual outlets versus somebody in the profession, there's outlets that are labeled for both copper and aluminum. And if you grab that, you're going to be fine. But if you don't, there's going to be an issue. Right. That's when the sparking starts. Okay. So when I find them inside of the house, I notate them that aluminum has issues. And I suggest that an electrician comes around and checks to make sure the outlets are fine. At that point, the house is built at least in the 60, late 60s, right at the early 70s. And it's now we're in 2018. If there's no scorch marks in the box, there's no scorch marks around the outlets and they're all correct. You know, that that's going to be a comfort level at right. that point. And it's not going to be so much of a safety level because an inspector has asked an electrician to come out and look at it. And if the electrician says it's fine. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at on the house. Again, it becomes a comfort issue. Are you comfortable with that? Do you, okay. You know, so that, that's going to be the hot item. You know, people at first, they just automatically just throw their arms up. And yeah. after they, we talk to them and get an electrician out there and get a second opinion. And a lot of times they're okay with it. And sometimes they're not. I imagine that's one of those situations where it's better for the buyer to be there. So you can kind of explain that in detail versus just saying there's aluminum wire. You need an electrician out. Because in their mind, they're probably right. thinking wow, the house needs to be completely redone. The electrical right. needs to be completely redone. Yeah, words are words are read way different than they are listened to. Right. You know, and I've always believed that. I can tell you the same thing that you can read, and it just, it, you comprehend it a little different. Yeah, yeah. And so that's kind of the deal there. What about um, foundation? So in, in Fort Worth, you know, we have slab, we have we have a pier and beam. Do you treat those differently when you go into an inspection? And what are you looking for on, on each? Well, on the foundation for the slab, it's pretty cut and dry, right? You walk around, if you see any big cracks on the foundation, there might be an issue through mm -hmm. the house. There might not be. doesn't mean one way or the other, but it's at least a starting point of something that needs to be looked at right. you know, and further investigated during the inspection process. Mm -hmm. 
and then apparent beam, you look around the outside, but really the story's on the inside. Yeah. You know, because it, the inner wall mostly will have the corbeling on the inside where you start to see the rebarb exposed. And then you can look at the piers and the beams and kind of see if they're straight and if there's any kind of adjustments that need to be made. Mm-hmm. One one foundation or the other, I don't mind checking either one of them. And as far as stability, it just really depends on where you're building. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it depends on where you're building around here is if you're going to have foundation issues. And, and a cracked foundation doesn't mean it needs to be repaired. Right. It just means it's cracked. Okay. And that, that's kind of the way it goes. Not every crack can be fixed because it's just a crack of shrinkage. Yeah. Maybe a little settling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there's movement. Okay. And, and the big one, because this, I think this is the one where, you know, living in Texas, the HVAC system is, is you know, if you don't have that, you don't have a house really because right. it's, you know, you, you can't live without it. What are some issues that you, you see with the HVAC that are to a, a new buyer may seem problematic? But in your eyes, it's a, it's a simple a simple fix. Sure. So a lot of times we'll be walking around, especially if they're with me and you have your secondary drain and it might have some evidence of previous water collection coming out from the pan upstairs. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's as soon as they hear that, it, it, it becomes, oh, the AC doesn't work. Right. You know, that's that's an automatic flag because they always hear that, oh, the AC doesn't work. So I usually take them up in the attic or at least let them peek their head up there. I don't really like them walking around if there's no decking up there. Right. But they can pick their, peek their head up there and I'll kind of explain to them, this pipe goes to your sink. This pipe goes outside. We need to figure out why it collected water. Is the sink jammed up or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Break it down to... If they had to fix it, they would actually know what to do right. outside of adding Freon or taking apart the compressor or something major like that. Yeah. Simple fixes like that. A lot of times, believe it or not, it's the filters. Is They're it? so dirty. You can hear that thing <laughs> screaming for air. You yeah. Know? And a lot of that will have, have a major impact on flow. I mean, restrictions negative. Yeah. I know it keeps a lot of the pollen out of your nose, but it doesn't help that AC machine run correctly. It's funny you mentioned the filters because... As a real estate agent, when I go into a, a house with a buyer, that's one thing I look at is both the return vent and then the, the air vents themselves. Right. If either one's right. dusty, okay, that's right. that's probably a, 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 a indicative of maybe something else that they didn't take. Yeah, because once I mean once you blow pad then the A coil is grabbing it and it's trying yeah. to shoot it right back through the vents, and that's maintenance. Right. Doesn't mean there's a problem with the system. It's a problematic function of the system is it's doing what it's supposed to do, but you didn't do what you were supposed to right. do. It collected all the dirt, but you're not exchanging it out to get some more dirt out of there. You're letting it pass through the system. Now. Yeah. And so that's an issue. Typically, if it doesn't work when I'm in the inspection, we'll try to figure out if it's the compressor or if it's the box or if there's some kind of Freon issue or something like that. As long as it comes on, it can usually be fixed relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Not always, but something that the, the buyer could look at doing or I can explain to them, hey, they probably have a minor leak here. It needs to be sealed up. Have an HVAC come out and, and see if there's an issue or if it needs to be replaced or repaired okay. or what they can do for it. In the middle of summer, it seems to be more impactful. You know, when I'm trying to talk to somebody and they're wiping the sweat off their head and they're not yeah. really listening, but yeah. they're just thinking it's broken. It's not, you know, I don't want this house, but you know, most things can be fixed, man. Okay. I mean, they just can. <laughs> Good. So the big one here, lead-based paint. So that's that's on houses built pre-78. A lot of first-time home buyers or buyers that maybe aren't experienced with that see that as the one thing they, they can't deal with because they're not sure what it means. Tell us a little bit about what lead-based paint is and 
is a house safe if it has maybe if it was built before 78 sure and i'll even i'll even go one further than that i'll, I'll go ahead and add asbestos into that because that's mm-hmm. that's always a big deal too right. those two yeah. seem to be hand in hand right because that's about when they all that stuff changed and we weren't able to use those products in, in the in the house or a livable mm-hmm. environment yeah so basically and usually it's disclosed, it's disclosed hey there's lead based paint here mm-hmm. you know there's got to be aware of that and so the and first time when i talk to the buyers i usually ask them are you guys going to do any renovations? Are you going to knock down any walls? Are you going to add anything to this structure? And if they say no, I'll tell them that's that's great because, you know, as per the disclosure, you have lead-based paint in here. It's fine as long as you don't disturb it. Mm-hmm. You can keep painting on top of it. You can do whatever you want. Just don't sand it and don't break it out. Other than that, you're, you're fine. I mean, it's, it's covered. Your, it's non-exposure at that point. It doesn't have like a radiant field of magnetic radiation that's flying out of lead everywhere. It doesn't work like that, right? So it's a contact type deal. It enters into you. So if you don't disturb it, you won't have a problem with it. And it's the same with asbestos. If it's on there, if it's on your pipes, leave it on there. Don't mess with it. If you have to do anything that's going to disturb that, get the professional out to do it. Mm -hmm. Don't don't try to mess with that stuff yourself. Lead-based paint, asbestos, if you know your house has it, don't disturb it. You'll be okay. If you see any of it, that's exposure. That needs to be taken care of it. But if it's behind something, paint, <laughs> a bunch of layers of duct tape, anything like that, you, you should be fine. Okay. So a good rule of thumb for both asbestos and, and lead-based paint. Don't disturb it. Don't sand it. And don't chew on the walls. Don't <laughs> chew on the walls. Don't hit them with a sledgehammer okay. or anything like that. Because right. once that demolition starts, you need to tint the house. Good. Yeah. All right. So. Well, that that's that's good to know because I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there who who both on the on the side of being um, anti lead based paint that they probably need to hear that you know it's fine if right. It's and, and I've I've talked to several people and, and and just gave them a little bit of education like that on the inspection and they were fine with it you know because they were real apprehensive and that's the first thing that they talked to me about was well hey this are we okay with this has this well sure let's go in there and look at it. And we go from there and diagnose the house. And if it's an issue, it's an issue. If it's not, then it's not. You know, again, most of that stuff is comfort level because in 2019, most of that stuff's been covered or removed. Right. So now you're 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 penetrating something that you're doing that now. It's not just straight exposure. It's, it's been caused to be exposure. Okay. Well, Chris, that about wraps up the questions I have. Anything you want to let our, our folks out there know, contact information, website, email, maybe? Again, my name is Chris Amador. I'm with CKA Home Inspections. We are open seven days a week, and we do inspections at 9 and 2 o'clock every day. My contact number is 817-437-2397. You can reach me by email at chris at com or at my website, ckahi.com. Excellent. Well, I wanted to thank Chris for joining us today. If you like the show and you want to hear more, visit sellingntx.com slash podcast for a list of all our shows. And until next time, make today a great day.